0: Turn with me to Hosea 3, our fourth Sunday in Hosea, and looking at what, what real love is. Hosea 3, and while you follow along, I'll read all five verses. Hosea 3, the Lord said to me, and that's the Lord speaking to Hosea, go show your love to your wife again. "'though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. "'Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, "'though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. "'So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver "'and a homer and a lethic of barley. "'And then I told her, "'You are to live with me many days. "'You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man.' And I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. And afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this book that you've tucked away in the Old Testament. And just the wonderful illustration it is in the life of Hosea and Gomer. Father of your amazing love for us and what real love is and, and the love that you call us to have for you and for one another And Father I ask you this morning again that you would open our eyes that you would uh, compel our hearts to be the lovers of you and one another that you call us to be by your grace in Jesus Amen <clears throat> Love means never having to say you're sorry. That was voted the number thirteen all time famous movie quote from the movie Love Story, nineteen seventy. I haven't seen it, but, you know, Wikipedia's great. Um, <laughs> twice in that movie, <clears throat> uh, that that phrase appears. Love means never having to say you're sorry. It was spoken by Jenny when Oliver is about to apologize to her for his anger. Partway through the book. And then at, at the end again, uh, by Oliver when his dad at the end of the movie says he's sorry upon hearing of Jenny's death. Love means never having to say you're sorry. What do you think about that? Love means never having to say you're sorry. How does real love respond when there is pain and problems, and there will be both, (laughs) in a relationship. Act as if everything's fine and move on. Put on a happy face. I think a line, I'm kind of in the movie theme this morning, if you'll forgive me. I think a a line from the movie Rocketeer, got to be one of my favorite movies, (laughs) Um, captures well what can often be the hypocrisy that we see in love. It's another Jenny for some reason. Jenny who has been starstruck by Neville. Um, He's the famous actor in the movie. Uh, She's been starstruck by him as he's paid her attention and she thinks he's in love with her and she's in love with him. But unbeknownst to her, he's paid attention to her for the sole purpose of getting to her boyfriend who has the rocket that he wants. And and he's a Nazi, and um, he wants the rocket. He's not somebody that really loves her. And uh, when she realizes this, she says to him, everything about you was lies. To which he responds... It wasn't lies, Jenny, it was acting. And I wonder how much of what is called love today is acting. Um, Maybe not even intentionally, but acting nevertheless. Carrying on without real commitment That's one of the first things we learned. The first thing we learned about love in Hosea. Um, Carrying on without real commitment. Accepting unfaithfulness. And being way too quick to call it quits. And so I think so often what we see as love is just acting. I want us to think this morning as we move into this fourth, fourth time in Hosea... Um, I want us to think. I wonder if it's so in our relationship with God. Is is your relationship with God kind of acting in terms of real love? Consider um, you've heard of all heard of the Gallup surveys. This is an assessment by George Gallup after having done surveys of church people. He says, there's little difference in the ethical behavior between the churched and the unchurched. There's as much immorality and dishonesty among the churched as the unchurched. And I'm afraid that applies pretty much across the board. Religion, per se, is not really life-changing. Wow, that's a... That's a hard phrase, isn't it? That's just from surveys that he's done. Religion, per se, is not really life-changing. People cite it as important, but it isn't significant in determining behavior. Wow, that's powerful. And I would say horrible. The question I want us to asked this morning as we move into Hosea here in chapter 3 is, why do you think that is so? And I think that as we look into Hosea and as we've been in there and we're coming into our fourth week, I think if I were to just respond in terms of Hosea, I think it's because that we so often are acting. That we're not really realizing and engaging in a real love relationship with God, as we see in the book of Hosea. So just to recap briefly, the first sermon that we saw in Hosea was that a real love relationship is a covenant relationship. And so at the very big beginning of Hosea, chapter 1, God tells Hosea, he says, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. And so the beginning of this real love relationship, as God reveals Israel's unfaithfulness, God also makes it really clear at the beginning that it's a covenant relationship that he's in with Israel and that he's in with his people. It's a commitment. That's the first thing that is so important about real love is realizing that it's a commitment. It's a covenant relationship. But understanding that there's unfaithfulness In relationships, Um, the second thing we saw, and this was a couple of weeks ago, was that not only is there commitment in real love, but there are consequences when there's unfaithfulness in real love. And so we see in uh, all throughout the book of Hosea, but we see it captured at the very beginning in chapter one, where God, in as He's Exposing Israel's unfaithfulness, he says, I will no longer show love. I'm going to let them go. I'm going to let them experience the consequences of their love. And and there's powerful wording all throughout the book of Hosea as we see the pain that our unfaithfulness causes God, the hurt that our unfaithfulness causes God. We see the seriousness of sin and we see that there's consequences. That real love doesn't just let it go. It doesn't cover it over. Real love rejects, uh, and there's consequences. But the third thing, and Daniel had the privilege of talking about that, I had the, uh, the, the responsibility to talk about rejection as a part of real love. Last week, Daniel talked about what I'm going to call the rewooing. <laughs> That is in real love. That when there's that commitment. And despite the unfaithfulness. The consequences. That just doesn't let unfaithfulness goes. That in real love. Real love is unconditional. It, it, it keeps after it. And, uh, and, what I, and, and I've, I've loved seeing it in, in the movie uh, last week. Of just how this husband as his wife was unfaithful. And left him. How he, he went after her. Uh, he bailed her out and, and he, he offered her in a cupcake again the ring and, and he re-wooed her and he went after her that's real love real love doesn't, doesn't say enough I'm done with you forever real love continues to go after and, and re-woo which brings us to another aspect of real love this morning and what we're going to look at and it's repentance repentance it's how real love responds to rewooing. When we've been unfaithful and God continues to pursue us, and we've all been unfaithful, right? It's who we are. And God, in His faithfulness, even when we're unfaithful, He's faithful and He continues to rewoo us and come after us. The question this morning is how does. How does real love respond to that real love, to God's rewooing when there's been unfaithfulness? So if you come back to Hosea 3 with me, it, it, to me, it's such an important, it's such an important passage of Scripture for us to understand how God looks for us to respond to Him as He rewoos us in our unfaithfulness. Un- Repentance, what is it? Look at the last verse of Hosea chapter three and I'm going to read it again, and we're going to look at just three things that we see captured in uh, in this verse. It says afterward, the Israelites will return and they will seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. The first thing we see about Repentance, and it, um, and I want you to see this morning that repentance is a beautiful word. <laughs> um, it's not a grovelling word. It's not a negative word. It's a beautiful word about what God has ordained to bring us back into a beautiful love relationship with Him, and what is necessary for that love relationship to where there's no, there's no condoning, no compromising, no covering, no ignoring but bringing us back into a full, free relationship of enjoying God. The first thing is, it says, they will return. The first thing is admission of wrong. That's what repentance means. It's the starting point. It's a realization and admission of wrong. It's not just, let's carry on, let's act as if everything's okay, let's just move on. And I tell you, I've seen a lot of relationships like that where people just, they they don't want to face the ugliness or the unfaithfulness. They just, well, let's just move on. And you can't just move on in real love. Real love starts with an admission of wrong. Look at, if you're in Hosea, we're going to look at just a few verses. Um, Hosea 5, 15. It says, Then... Let me see if I get the right verse here. It says, then I will return to my lair. I'm going to start at verse 14. This is God speaking. It says, I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a great lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces and go away. I will carry them off with no one to rescue them. That's God's anger and hurt and pain over their unfaithfulness. But he says, then I will return to my lair. Until they have borne their guilt and seek my face in their misery, they will earnestly seek me. The beginning is admitting their guilt. Until they have borne their guilt, admitted their guilt. That's the starting point. We've got to come. As God woos us, we've got to respond and say, God, (laughs) have mercy on me, a sinner. Look at Hosea 14.2. Hosea 14.2. It says, return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. If you remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, as he's in the pig farm, and uh, it's like all of a sudden... As he's there in the midst of this famine and he's feeding the pigs and he doesn't have enough to eat himself, it says he, coming to his senses, he says, I'm going to return to my father and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned. The first part in understanding repentance is it's coming to our senses and realizing where we're at and what we're missing out on in, in a real love relationship, whether it was with God or with someone else we love, realizing we're, what we're missing out on and coming to our senses and saying, God, I've sinned. Um, I saw this, this neat little an- anecdote about Frederick the Great, King of Prussia, and I'm not using it because I like his name, but because how well it illustrates this point. He was touring a prison and the prisoners fell on their knees before him as he walked through the prison proclaiming their innocence except for one man who remained silent and so frederick called him and he said why are you here and he said honestly armed robbery your majesty are you guilty yes indeed your majesty i deserve my punishment So Frederick summoned the jailer and ordered him, and this is kind of humorous. He says, release this guilty wretch at once. I will not have him kept in this prison where he will corrupt all the fine, innocent people who occupy it. (laughs) I can't tell you how important admitting wrong (laughs) has been in my relationship with my wife and my children and my employees and my friends and my God. In being a right relationship, a real love relationship, it's the first step. It's the question. In your relationship with God, or it could be another individual are you quick to admit you're wrong your sin how you failed how you've wronged or are you just wanting to brush it over and move on repentance which is absolutely necessary for a real love relationship begins with admission of wrong the second is, notice in, in Hosea chapter 3, it says they will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last day. The second thing is anguish. I'm just being a pastor, you know, in all A's. The first one is admission of wrong. The second is anguish or true sorrow. In Hosea 5.15, remember it said, In their misery they will return to the Lord. Hosea 11, verses 10 and 11, it's repeated twice. It says, Is Gilead, excuse me, I'm chapter 12. Chapter 11, verse 10, it says, They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling before the west. They will come from Egypt trembling like sparrows. In Isaiah 66, God says, To this one I will lick, to the one who is broken and of contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. I think too often we can be like the little boy who prayed, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry I made such a mess in my room, but I sure had fun doing it. Repentance is admitting we're wrong and and experiencing true sorrow. It's one of the Beatitudes, remember? It says the first one is blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize their spiritual poverty, their neediness, and number two is blessed are those who then mourn about it. And yet it's crucial the kind of sorrow that we come to the Lord or to another person with, isn't it? It's not a groveling. (laughs) Nor is it a, I'm sorry because I got caught. But it's, I'm sorry because of my sin. If you turn to me, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, it, it distinguishes between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10, listen, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow, worldly sorrow. And the difference, I believe, is what we're sorry about. when we admit our sin it's our sin that we're sorry about it's our unfaithfulness it's what we've done wrong that we're sorry about it's not the consequences we've experienced or that we got caught and so in repenting to return into a real love love relationship it's admitting we're wrong and experiencing true sorrow for that wrong the question is are you really sorry for how you've hurt God? Or how you've hurt another person? Or how you've been unfaithful? Are you really sorry? Or are you just sorry for what it's done to you? Are you just sorry for it getting caught? Are you just sorry for the con- Are you really sorry for your unfaithfulness? It's absolutely important for repentance. And then the third thing, Hosea chapter 3. The third thing we see, Hosea chapter 3. It says, after where the Israelites will return, and we talked about they will come trembling, and the other it says they will seek the Lord their God. In Hosea 5.15, it says, they will seek my face, they will earnestly seek me. And the implication is that it's not just words, but it's genuine, heartfelt, God, I want to change. And so the third thing is, it's not just an admission of wrong, it's not anguish over that wrong only, but it's an about face. And that's what repentance, the full meaning of repentance is, is that that as we admit our wrong, and as we, As we grieve over that wrong, that unfaithfulness, that there's that desire for a complete about-face. Hosea chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. Listen to this. It says, God says, Israel cries out to me, Our God, we acknowledge you. But Israel has rejected what is good. They say, Oh God, we've rejected you. We acknowledge you, but they don't change. It's just words. In Hosea chapter 10, verse 2, God says, their heart is... um... Sorry, where are we here? Hosea 10, verse 12, God says, sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your plowed, unplowed ground, for it is time... To seek the Lord. Sow righteousness. In Hosea chapter 12 verse 6. It says. You must return to your God. Maintain love and justice. And wait for your God always. I think this is captured really well in Isaiah 58. It's a, it's a, it's a chapter on... Um, that exposes Israel's unfaithfulness again. And, but it's in the midst of them being extremely religious while they're doing it. It kind of goes along with the Gallup assessment, George Gallup's assessment about <coughs> church people. The whole chapter is on fasting and how God's people are saying, you know, why is this happening to us? We're fasting and we're fasting and we're fasting. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 58, 5 through 8. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen only one day for people to humble themselves is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes is that what you call a fast a day acceptable to the lord is not this the kind of fasting i have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear I think so often um, our repentance can fall short kind of like um, Lucy in in a Charlie Brown comic strip and probably most of us have have seen this one where Lucy is holding the football and um, for Charlie Brown to kick it. And so Charlie Brown, you know, she's holding it and he runs to kick it and she pulls it away and he falls flat on his back. And this happens over and over again until finally Charlie Brown wises up and he refuses to do it. And Lucy begs him to kick the ball, but he, but, but he says, every time you remove the ball and I fall flat on my back. So they go back and forth for a long time in this, this strip until Lucy, she says, Charlie, I've played so many cruel tricks on you. I've seen the error of my ways. I've seen the hurt look in your eyes when I've deceived you. I've been so wrong, so wrong. Won't you give a poor penitent girl another chance? So Charlie Brown, moved by her obvious repentance, her admission of wrong, and her mourning, her, her grief, he steps back and says, I'll give you one more chance. And so he runs and at the last moment, Lucy picks up the ball, and again, Charlie Brown falls flat on his back. That's not repentance. It's not just about admitting we're wrong. It's not just about mourning over it, anguish over it, but it's about and about faith. The question is, are we committed to true change in our relationship with God? Really? Or is it just a quickie, sorry, and we've experienced that with our grandkids, you know, to where they do something wrong, and it's like, I'm sorry, because they know the right words to say. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why the Gallup survey is as, as it is, is because we've learned to be people who, who know to say, oh, that was wrong, and I'm sorry, and okay, God, let's move on. <laughs> and there's no about face. There's no true repentance. Now the caveat that I want to include here at the end as I'm just summarizing is that this isn't a focus on sin. I'm not asking you to focus on sin. In Romans 2.4 it says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance. And if we're going to be truly repentant, we're going to be individuals who truly can say, God, I'm sorry, and grieve over how we've hurt him, and do an about-face and truly change and move forward in a real love, love relationship with him, it's going to be because our focus is on our God who is wooing us, not our sin that's hindering us. Do you understand the difference? It's really important because if we get absorbed with our sin, then we're going to be people who grovel, and we're going to be people who are focused on our sin, we're not going to be people who fixated on his commitment to us and his wooing of us, it is unconditional for his kindness to us, it's his kindness that will leave, lead us to repentance. And, and that's what brought Gomer back to Hosea, as we see captured in this video, as as his commitment to her and his unconditional love continued to reach out to her, it allowed her to go, but it wooed her back. It was that wooing her back, that real love, unconditional commitment for her that brought her back. And That's what will bring us back into a real love relationship with God. It's not being absorbed with our sin, but being absorbed with his kindness, with his unconditional love. But we need to know that there's no real love without repentance. Real love means having to say you're sorry and meaning it. And I think one of the things that that hinders so many of us in our love relationships with God is is that we have such a cheap view of love that we don't see that love demands repentance, that love is about saying we're sorry, God, grieving over it, with our eyes fixed on him and his love for us and his kindness for us, being drawn back into that love relationship that goes about face and says, God, I'm yours. It's not cheap. It's like, okay, God, let's just move on. God, just... God loves me, he accepts my sin, he doesn't. It grieves him, it hurts him, it angers him because it breaks our relationship with him and real love demands repentance. Real love means having to say you're sorry. How are we going to respond so that we aren't just individuals that say, I love you, God? Cheap words so often, meaningless words, just three things I'd like to suggest that before God, as as I close in prayer, and as you leave from here, three things that we would ask ourselves before God in prayer in responding to Hosea here. The first one is that we would ask God, we would just examine ourselves before God, God, am I really sensitive to your Holy Spirit's convicting of me? Or have we hardened our hearts? where it's like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Then you'll never have a real love relationship with God. God, am I really sensitive? God, make me sensitive to the convicting of your Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be sensitive to what hurts you, to what pains you, to what angers you, to what separates me from you. The second thing is, God, do I really take sin seriously? Do I really take sin seriously? And third, am I really committed to changing? Am I really committed to changing? And there's nothing, nothing better in the world <laughs> than a real love relationship. Is there? Open, honest, transparent, <laughs> full of enjoyment and freedom and commitment, unconditional But if it's going to be there with God and with one another, it's got to be that we're willing to say, man, I'm sorry, I was wrong. To grieve over it and then say, what do I got to do to change as we look to God to help us do that? Let's pray. Father, uh, we're such, uh, we can be such unfaithful people. And sometimes we're unfaithful so much and so repeated and it's become such a cycle that we, we get tired of saying we're sorry, whether it's to you or to another individual. And we just say, maybe it's not even worth it because it it, I'm just going to do it again. God, give us hearts that, that never grow weary of admitting our wrongs, saying we're sorry, grieving over it, and then say, God, be merciful to us. God, help us. And God, by your grace keep us looking to Jesus, to his kindness, to his goodness, to his sacrifice for us, his love for us, that would keep wooing us back into a love relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.